Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Breakfast with Brokers. Today is gonna be a blast. I've been trying to get all of these power women in a room together for a long time and they graciously obliged because what the hell else are we gonna do today, right? So <laughs> um, I'm super excited to for this podcast. We have um, a bunch of my fellow broker owners um, and they all happen to be ladies. So I think it's gonna be an interesting podcast. So we'll take it from there. Without further ado, here we go. Okay, so we are here with Lana. How do you pronounce her last name? Falchicchio. <laughs> um, and she owns Boutique Realty here in Hoboken, Jersey City, and in Red Bank. Um, and then we're also here with Soha Fontaine, um, and she owns Remax here in Hoboken as well. Um, and of course, I'm Lisa, and I own Angle and Volkers here in Hoboken as well. So we're going to jump right in. Um, Lana, can you kind of give a little bit of background? I think it would be, you know, we all have such interesting stories, so I think it'd be really interesting to hear um, a quick background on, on why you decided to open a brokerage, how you got into real estate in general, and uh, all that jazz. Okay, so I got into real estate right out of college uh, by chance. Um, a friend of my father's, uh, my dad owned his own business. He was in the car business. A friend of my dad's was from Hoboken and told me that I should get my real estate license. I did not want to get my real estate license. <laughs> he said, if I pay to get you get the real estate license, would you get it? I said, sure, then I'll do it. So I got it. He was working on a building in Hoboken. I went to the building. Uh, he said, you're hired. I didn't even know I was on a job interview and <laughs> I started selling real estate. Um, I worked for a small brokerage in town and when my boss decided she wanted to retire after uh, a lot of years in the business, I decided to go out on my own. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Uh, and also as a child of an entrepreneur, I always sort of knew I was probably going to own my own business in some way or another. Awesome. Yeah, I think I, I got into real estate also by chance too. I was unfortunately product of a massive layoff and ended up with a real estate license to just kind of means to an end, see where it went and then end up falling in love. So very similar wow. in that regard. So Hafontaine, how did you get into real estate? <laughs> oh God. Well, first of all, Lana, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting actually that you, you, you went into it right away. Um, so how, how back, how many, back. how I back, your, I love your <laughs> you, story. you want the original yeah, story of how like this all so came together. After two glasses of wine story. <laughs> That's, uh, well, going back is, um, coming to America, I guess. That's yeah. a, that's a, how back we can go from, from there. Coming to America, the dream of coming, the, it was all about, coming to a free country because in back home, um, especially being a woman and doing any business, it was not even in my mind. At that time, it was school was in the mind and being a child of, you know, immigrant family in this country, we came here to study and um, to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Like a, it, you, you didn't have many choices there either. So being as being in sales was not even on, in the cards at all um so school was the most important thing leaving back home coming to america 
So thanks to my mom and dad, we made it to America, land of free, land of that you can do anything is possible here. With that mindset, uh, nothing seemed too hard here at that point. We just working hard. So I went through schooling. I became an electrical engineer because engineering was actually easier to do for me because I didn't need to know much of English because I didn't speak English. So I chose math and, math and physics was my background and my strength. So I went for engineering right away. I loved architecture, but it seemed too overwhelming. When I looked at architectural magazine, I was like, I never can do this. So electrical engineering became the easiest thing to do. And that's what I did forever and ever. So no one ever. <laughs> that was, so anyway, let's fast forward. North Carolina State, Georgia Tech, Cornell PhD, like one after another, I just got all these degrees and was, I wasn't very happy and satisfied either. Worked for a corporate America for a few years. I worked at Ernst & Young, then, then going through the dot-com, going to like a mom and pop, you know, those dot-com era. And um, eventually getting laid off, having a baby, moved to Hoboken. And I had Luca at that time. And I, was, I knew my background was engineering, so I was building stuff, building systems. And one day, my husband came home and said, what are you doing with your time? You're building what? I was building website at that time. I was like, mommy with my stroller going through Hoboken, and i telling people, oh, you don't have a website? The website is like a new telephone number. It's just like you tell me you don't have a phone number. And it was a pasta shop in Hoboken. And he's like, I don't need the website. I built him a website. I got free pasta. I went to the laundromat. <laughs> I built him a website. You remember that laundromat on 6 and... Um, yeah, yeah. And Monroe, David owned it. Oh, yeah. I forgot what was it called, actually. And um, I built him a website, and he did dry clean for free. And so it was a barter system. So my husband comes home one day and is like, what are you doing with your time? Like a building website, yeah. this is something kids out of high school are doing right now. And I'm like, but mine is much more sophisticated. I have a backend, I have this, I have that. Yeah. So I was like, a making, like a making believe that I am doing something, um, something different or something more, more sophisticated than just building a website. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a website for a for a, a business in Hoboken that I can sell to many of them. So I build one and I sell it to all. So I picked up Hoboken Reporter at that time and I see what business do we have a lot? Real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. In 2004 in Hoboken, we only had 35 agents, 35 agencies in that time. And nobody had a real website. Nobody had Wait, any agents or agencies? agencies. We had 35 agencies even at that time because I counted it to see that was the best thing. I built one website for one of them yeah. and then I can sell it to all. So I looked at them, just picked the one that was the worst was Petrozelli. Remember Petrozelli? Yeah. So I got, I, I built up a website. I mock up Corcoran website yeah. for Petrozelli, yeah. put it together. I walk up there to Nick. I don't think Nick was there. Mike was there at that time. So I go there and talk to them. I say, I want to do this for you guys. And they, were, they didn't seem like, no, we don't want it. They all were like, okay, that sounds interesting. And then I walked out and I was thinking to myself, if I had said it cost 20, I didn't know. I didn't even put a number to it, but I was like, I'll go put it, something together and present it again to you. 
I walked out, I was like, oh my God, these people have no clue how, what a powerful you know, platform that is that we can do. It's like when you can put your um, properties online and people can look at them rather than just coming to our office. Remember, yeah. nobody had a website at that time. So I went home, I told my husband, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a website for myself and get the license and, and just go because nobody has this right now. And I think I can get, you know, I can get ahead very quickly. So I come back home. I build a Soho Boken website. Yeah. Nobody yeah. had their web listings easily and accessible at that time. Mm-hmm. And I had it. I started constant contact in Hoboken. Nobody was sending their, their listings at that time every Saturday, Sunday. Wow. To, everybody copied after that. Now no, everybody's, everybody's doing it right no, now. Right, right. But that was the time I started all of this. And, um, and the rest is a history. It was like, a, it, that was it. That's how, that's how it all started. That was an amazing... Great story. Yeah, that was... I, mean, I we, did not know that. We went, and you're originally from Iran? Yes, Iran. Iran. Yeah, so we just went from Iran to, wow. to real estate to in Hobo. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you, I don't know if you even remember, but when my first time looking for real estate here, my, my late mother was my realtor, and you showed us properties, and you had the two boys running around. Oh my God. When you were one of the first realtors I yeah. saw here? Yeah, unbelievable. All right, well, that was awesome. Yeah, so that's basically it. I'm, I'm not, I don't need to do mine this my podcast, obviously, everybody knows how the hell I got into this. So we'll go from there. Um, I think it's interesting to, you know, because a lot of people now are thinking or a lot of agents, and I think I thought the same thing for years too, was like, you're doing all this work, you're making all this money, you're still cutting back to the house, right? So I think a lot of top agents get to a certain point where it's like, well, why don't I just open my own brokerage? And I think you know, back in the day, that was a very easy thing to do, right? People were on much lower splits. You could cover your expenses much more easily. But, you know, all three of – well, Lana, I think you actually have the longest tenure as a broker here, right? You've, you've yeah, had boutique open? Uh, 2009. Yeah, so you've – yeah, so that's probably the long – how long have you owned Remax? Uh, it's almost four years now. Okay. And I'm on a year and a half. So <laughs> we're varying degrees of, you know, tenure as far as ownership is concerned. But – What's interesting is like how we each got involved in switching to being an owner because I never wanted to own my own brokerage. And then it was presented with, you know, I was presented with an offer I couldn't refuse and that's how I ended up with it. But I'm interested to see how you guys made the transition from top agents to broker owners. I think for me, it was probably a little bit easier because, you know, of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm an only child Um, my dad owned his own business his whole life. Um, a lot of people in my family own their own business. So it was just sort of natural for me. I mean, I started working with my dad when I was seven years old and, you know, although obviously a different industry, you know, a lot of, a lot of things I take from what I learned in his business and apply it to real estate. So, you know, I think that when you come from a family that you know are entrepreneurs it's just sort of in a way embedded in you I mean when I was in sixth grade I started my own business like so I've always just been of that mindset um and you know to your point I think that the industry has changed just so much like I started in 03 much around the same time Soha did opened the brokerage in 09 and now it's like whatever 11 years later and it's just it's just so different I mean I remember 
nobody had a website, like you said. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the office all day. We didn't even have iPhones. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a time when the MLS was in a book. <laughs> so I, you know, I had just come in when that had just transferred mm -hmm. over into mm -hmm. online. So, I mean, you know, I, I got my first iPhone because I won a raffle at the Canco Lofts. I wouldn't even buy an iPhone. I was like, I'm not <laughs> buying that thing. Like, I'm not spending all that money, you know? So it's just so funny how our mindsets have changed. Yeah. I remember even at, you probably don't remember this, Soha. This was, I mean, probably 08, so just a bad year, right, in general. But I remember when I told you, it was at Rich Guess's Christmas party. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to open up my own brokerage. And you were like, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Why does she think I'm crazy? I was like, oh, maybe I am crazy. Like, oh God! But it I was so funny. I yeah, and I don't know why I would have said that. Who I, knows? Who but knows? I mean, we are a little all crazy for doing it. <laughs> yes. So now we have to be. It makes a little, a little sense. One more sense now. I love it. But. I love it. So yeah. So it sounds like for you, it was much more of a fluid decision. It was like. Yeah. yeah, I don't. It was written you know, on the walls. Yeah, for him. yeah. I mean, she, she even in my previous brokerage, you know, I sort of just natural. I was the youngest person there, but I just naturally ran the brokerage. I mean, yeah. you know, my boss was, you know, like I said, she was in the midst of wanting to retire and just slow down anyway. And it was just I wanted to learn, and so it yeah. was really easy transition for me, even though I had the least amount of experience in the office, but I just became the go-to. And then running her brokerage more or less for those couple of years, I felt super confident then on what to do. Even though when I actually physically did it, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you both remember those calls the morning after I bought the company and I called both of you. I walked around with Soha around the waterfront in Maxwell Place, weeping like an insane person. She's like, you're going to be okay. People must have thought like someone died. And I'm like, no, nope, just bought a brokerage. Don't know what I'm doing. Like, so I got, I mean, I'm actually, my whole family is entrepreneurs. No one had a quote unquote real job. And I wanted nothing to do with owning a brokerage. And then again, it was presented to me. But to your point, I think it is like, and this is, I mean, going off on a tangent, it's like, there's always that question you have with people that are business owners that are like, is this natural? Like, is it natural for you to want to own a business? Mm -hmm. Was it inevitable at some point because you have that in your blood and what you grew up with? It's like... For me, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I think I, no matter what I would have done, you know, I probably would have been on my own in, in some way. At some point. Yeah. yeah interesting. Mm -hmm. How do you want to answer that question? Sure, <laughs> yes. There was... I never, ever dream about it. I never, ever imagined it. I didn't even want it. My broker was amazing. I really loved him. It was like, I never thought he's going to retire either. Yeah. But once he retired after 20 years of owning Remax, um, which I could see in him that he's getting tired as well the last years. So when he said, I'm done with it, I felt, and I always wanted the Remax to be more on the luxury level, not just the regular Remax that we had. So it, I found that that was a great opportunity to, to come out as a Remax luxury, the Remax collection brand of Remax in Hoboken, where all the prices are keep going up. So when he uh, retired, 
Remax Regional came to me and presented it to me and said, Soha, this is a great opportunity. And I, meanwhile, I'm like getting a bunch of listings and I'm really busy. My head is spinning, mm-hmm. the, you know, and I'm like, but this is a huge responsibility. I didn't want the responsibility of it, but they kept saying it's an opportunity. I said, responsibility, opportunity, responsibility. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know what? If I don't do it, somebody else going to do it. I have the most market share of our in the, you know, a, a Remax in Hoboken, I got to do it. I had to step up. So in two weeks, I got my broker license. I didn't even have a broker license. Wow. I got a broker license in, in two weeks. And on the third week, I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Awesome. And that was it. That's so, awesome. I love that. And, and the challenge began. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. That is a fun. This is actually a fun challenge. It is. It, and, and that's the thing too, is I, I remember sitting with my, when it, I was presented with the opportunity and I remember sitting and like, it was, you know, we, we, our, our shop had a rough go. Like Nick had passed away. You know, it was a lot, I think for the remaining broker to handle. Like, so we, we I bought it in pretty bad shape. And I remember sitting with my financial planner and him going through the paperwork and he's like, this is a terrible decision. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then he pauses and he's like, and you have to do it. And I was like, what? And he was like, this is you, you're, I, I, I'm going to regret saying this to you if this goes south, but he's like, you're too passionate about fixing this. He's like, I, you have to do it. And that was the first time I was like, huh. And now that guy will be my financial planner for the rest of my life. Cause he like went outside the balance sheet. Right. Like he, so on that same kind of trajectory, what would you say a COVID aside and we'll get into COVID and dealing with all this, but what would you say is the biggest challenge being a broker owner right now? either like in this climate or, you know, I, I, at the, the question I actually want to pose to you is being a female broker owner in this. Um, but I think it's, it's pretty much universal across male and female. You know, it's not, it's not an easy job to do. Our margins are way thinner now with, you know, agents with these capping models and much higher splits to being demanded. You know, what, what would you say is the hardest thing about, about owning a brokerage? I think that, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, the industry certainly has changed and, you know, not necessarily maybe for the better on the owner side. Um, so it definitely presents a challenge keeping people, you know, quote unquote happy. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, though, as an owner, male or female, is probably it being a little bit lonely at times because, you know, I felt for a long time, I didn't really have anybody, you know, to, until, you know, I sort of, you open Remax and then you just opened Mm -hmm. your shop and we we were all friends maybe before when you were agents, but it's different. And so I didn't really have anybody previously to throw anything, any ideas or, Hey, I'm struggling with this. What are you doing in your shop? You know, or, and even, you know, Jess. And so I think that, you know, when Nick was alive, he, he was the one that helped me when I opened boutique, you know, I was calling him for like the printer guy and this guy (laughs) and Hey, what do I do about this? And, you know, I always said to myself, no matter if anybody ever calls me or anybody's ever opening a brokerage that I know, like I'm, Oh, I'm going to make sure that I'm there for whatever they need because I didn't, I didn't really have that, you know? And then, I mean, he died, whatever, five years ago, whatever it is. And so in between that time, there was really no, I mean, I really didn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. You know, there was really nobody that ever 
you know, reached out or said, hey, give me a call or hey, you want to grab coffee? I mean, I think that that's what's come out of all this now. And what's so great is that we can get together. And even though we all compete, we could still be friends and we could still bounce ideas off one another. And it's not contentious and it's genuine. And we're really there to support each other, you know, women supporting women, which you know, I think it's hard in any industry, yeah. quite frankly. But, you know, we're in a small town and it's it's not easy and not everybody not everybody is genuine, not everybody is supportive. And yeah. that, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, I could go on for, we could have a whole podcast on how much you and Jess Ranieri, who owns Century 21, helped me when I needed this. But like, I think that to me was the most shocking is we, we're all competing against each other. We're all competing. And yet there's this like underlying respect that I think that everybody has. And I think what's, what's shocking is like the people that don't get that. Like they don't understand that there's, you know, if you're going to screw one person over, it's going to make it back to another person. Like, and I, I, I think you touched on something that's incredibly important and that, yeah, I mean, there's no way I would have been able to do this without having that community, with having the two of you, honestly, and Jess. Like, it's it's important. And I, I think for females, we – the female mentality is so, like, catty, I think, by nature. And it's so nice to see that that's actually changed. But I love that. Yeah. What what about you? So what is the challenging part of this one yeah, right now? I think for me, because I was an agent for so long, it's like, 14 years before I became a broker, I still have a challenge in my head of how I am treating my office and become a broker. Like mm-hmm. I, I still have a hard time on that line because I feel like being a broker is more like a the manager, managing people, mm-hmm. expectation. And sometimes I, I'm having a hard time to look at them from that eye, I look at everybody as an agent eye. Does it make sense? Yes. It's like, you Exactly. But I'm still an agent. And when you are an agent, you just think like, oh, the broker makes all the money. What is another thing to <laughs> you? What is another lunch? What is another dinner? What is another drink? That's on the smaller scale, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, what is another photo shoot for you? What is, you know, can I add that? What's what can five you, grand off five, the commission? Exactly. <laughs> what is another five grand off the commission? What is, and you want to give, and you want to give, and you want to give. And I'm, and that's, I think my challenge was one of, you know, the other challenge for me is like, um, that I have to work on is like, I'm very amiable. I am personally, and then I also taking care of the clients for 14 years, you making client happy, client happy. That's your job. Client services, best client service. So you, this is your mindset. Now you become a broker. Mm-hmm. You feel like you want to treat your agents the same way you treated your mm-hmm. clients. The agents become the client. Be- becomes yeah. a client. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It's like a client. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna put up with all this BS that they're throwing at you. Like I feed my cat, and you know, go open the door. Has it? Like a, we don't want to get there, obviously. Like I go air the place, turn on the AC, do this. You know, it's, you're selling it, you're out of it. But with the agent, every day, it's like it's like you don't want that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how do I balance. balance that? That is my biggest challenge. 
because everything else exactly but yeah. everything else i think at three of us here we're not here for only today and tomorrow this is a long game plan for us right. this is like none of this none of covid none of the stock market not nothing gonna be a challenge for us ever yeah we're gonna come out we're gonna yeah. figure it out people still need people with great skills in their life and this is a still an emotional ordeal. We are in we're not commercial, we're a residential agents. Right. That emotion always is there. They always wanna have us. And I think as a woman, we are a lot better servicing people. Mm. I see the best guys in this business, they give up. They yeah. can't they can't put up with everything we put up with. Mm -hmm. the and that's the patience. The yeah. patience we have, nobody has. And I think we're gonna do phenomenal no matter what happens. But that challenge of how do I change hats, mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's the hardest part for me. I mean, for me, it's recruiting. I hate recruiting. I'm just going to put it out there as a total blanket. I had people, when I took over, I had people come to me wanting to join. <laughs> Literally, it was like... No, it wasn't even, they were such, I remember them on past deals yeah. being so nasty. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> and I remember corporate being like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I can't do it. I can't have this person work at my shop. Like, so for me, it's like getting over that hump and just finding the people that I actually want to be there. And then like putting on that hat and being like, I know we were peers 20 minutes ago, but right now, is this payment okay? Like, I hate the whole concept. I hate it all, but. It is what it is. It's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Because I think I, I was there where you were. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I think because you're just the beginning, yeah. that becomes that challenging. But very soon, once you, it's your mindset as yeah. well, very, very soon, that is not a challenge anymore. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're going to focus on what makes us great here, why people join us. Yeah. And that is just going to answer all their questions. You don't even have to go there anymore. Mm -hmm. But I remember just saying, I don't have training enough for you right now. I can't hire you. Right. I remember the brand new agents would walk in. I'd be like, I'm sorry. And then they went to Jess's office, by the way. Jess, you yeah. hired him. <laughs> and I was like, and he turned out to be a phenomenal agent. And I was like, okay. Well, this just myself. happened with you and I. That woman interviewed with me. She was lovely, but she wanted me to like be her mentor. Like I was like, I'm going to be very honest with you. I can't I do that. I don't, I don't have time for it. I have three new agents, which I swore I would never take on a new agent. Yeah. They're lovely people and they're killing it. But like at the right. same time, I'm like, I can't take on another one. Like I, I don't right. have, you know. I know you can't, you can't, uh, exactly. Yeah. And that's why, and that's what I'm saying. Like eventually when you have everything set up, yeah. this becomes no brainer. Yeah. So that, that part of the recruiting becomes no brainer for yeah. you. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that it's like, that goes back to like us all talking and like now I am, I'm definitely in that mindset. Like I would love to not sell in like three or four years. Like I would, any lead that comes in, I'm happy to pass off to everybody else. Like I, I want to cut that back, you know, but that was because of a conversation with you where you were like, it's going to be hard to change hats. It's going to be hard to get to that point. And I realized very quickly, like I, you know, the only way that the, the office does well and the office makes money is if I stop thinking about just my business. Yeah. And as soon as that mind shift happened, then we did better. We attracted better talent, but people like, and like right now I love our little group, but it's also like, you know, now it's like, you gotta, you gotta grow. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to recruit anymore. <laughs> I like everyone I have. Everybody told me I, I hired, I went through many, many broke, um, coaches mm. and I said, um, how can you help me being top producing agent and have a phenomenal office yeah. that people want to join? And every one of them, including Mike Ferry, 
told I hired I went to Mike Ferry yeah. and just so I said Mike every coach I go to they tell me it's not possible I want a coach that tells me it's possible yeah and you know what Mike Ferry told me what he said by the next conversation we have you should sell your office just like that wow I was like dude you're fired wow was like, that was he didn't even ask me how are we doing once he found out that I'm a top producing agent that I can oh, produce as much as uh, as I can, yeah. because he doesn't, I think he said it because he didn't get into my life. I mean, he didn't get into my head enough yeah. right. to understand why I'm calling him. He didn't, you know, I'm like, Mike, I'm hiring you. I hired him. I went through the contract with him every day. Yeah. I said, I want Mike to be my broker, my, my, my coach. And he basically said the first conversation, he said, who's the best person who's going to, Oh, he didn't even say sell it. He said, just give it up. Just go to the remax and up. say, say, I don't want the brokerage. I was like, uh, Mike, you're fired. And yeah. Not in that tone, but I was like, Mike, I'm looking for someone who's going to help me to do it both right. right. And yeah. if and that's the challenge, I take the challenge. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to accept that it's not possible. Yeah. Because he said, you have to stop selling or you have to. So that's it. Like a, yeah. that two yeah. things. And I do not want to accept that. I do not want to accept that. Because that's what makes money. Yep. Why should I stop selling? No. And I tell the agent, I'm like, do you think coming to the office and not being in my office, because that is the number one question. Right. Oh, I don't want to work for a selling broker. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be your competition no matter what. Right. You don't join me. <laughs> that's you a gotta, really good point. Yeah. Right. I'm like, you're outside. I'll be your competition. Yeah. You're inside. You have a better chance of getting that Get listing. on the train. No, <laughs> I, you will get that listing. Yeah. And I'm not going to hold you on to it. You don't it. listing yeah. with me you get the listing and then we serve it together and i'm gonna show you how it's done so next time you don't even need me but well, there, there's like that quote that it was like if you're paying like we had an eight oh my god i had an agent come over and then literally we we got this person an uh an email address we set them all up on the back end they were in sales meetings i mean we were rocking and rolling they t- they ended up going to another company who will remain nameless for a, a thirty-five thousand dollar signing bonus Yes. Wow. And they called me and told me this. And I was like, what? I'm like, first of all, they're like, can you match it? I was like, one, no. I'm never paying someone to come to my, like, I, I'll keep the lights on myself. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Two, why did someone write you? I've seen your book of business. Why did someone write you that check? Like, I couldn't figure, it was like, it would keep me up at night. Then I come to find out it's a draw. Yeah. And I'm like, you just signed your life away for two years with this company for an extra 35 grand that you're going to make anyway because it's a draw and it's you look at these people and you're like what how is that moving the needle for you but it's people that it's they don't understand money they don't understand like yeah they don't know math they don't they don't know they don't know math you have to sit down and show them what how it's done yeah it's crazy it's the whole thing is insane (sighs) so lighten this up a bit what's like one of your best either broker or real estate stories it could be funny it could be ironic it could be anything lana i'm literally watching i wish this was on video i'm watching lana's entire face light up Um, i think for me i mean i much like yourselves i'm sure you have you know i have a ton of funny stories showing places walking into things that i would hope i would never have to see again (laughs) Um, but I think for, (laughs) I think for me personally, um, it's probably like I have three children and 
I hid my pregnancy with all three of my kids. Um, okay. Well, for those of you who don't know Lana, <laughs> you might mistake her for like a beanpole. Like, the, I'm not shocked at all. Um, I don't even really know why. <laughs> I think like it was this idea of like if I'm pregnant and having a baby, I can't be good at my job. Mm. And so, I mean, I would hide it literally as long as possible. I mean, with my last, <laughs> with my last one, uh, who's three today, actually, um, I think I was like six and a half months pregnant. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember being pregnant with my first, who's nine, and I gave birth the next week, and I was I was in a fourth floor walk up, and he was born in March, so this was literally like end of February first week of March, whatever it was, I was past my due date and I had a coat on and I kept trying to close it and the, and I was doing a walkthrough and the client said, are you having a baby? <laughs> <laughs> Which in and of itself, like who asks that? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah. And he was like, when? And I was like, well, it's sort of past my due date. Um, I think anytime soon. <laughs> right now. But, I'm going to have it I right mean, now. It's just, you know, it's funny looking back at it, but, you know, I don't, I don't even know why. I don't know why I felt that way, but I did. I would, I would hide it from my own, my office, from, from my clients, from, you know, anybody in real estate because I was scared. I was thinking, oh, well, the competition's going to start talking about me saying, oh, she's going to be out on maternity leave. You're yeah. not going to have anybody to talk to, you yeah. know, and then my agents being nervous about it. And then my clients thinking I couldn't do But how job. screwed up is that? But it's crazy. Like, I mean, that's a challenge for a woman in and of itself. I mean, you both have kids. I don't. But like, I, that's a challenge in and of itself. Like how? I mean, I laugh about it now, but yeah, you but know, at that point you're you're young and you're just like you're very you're criticizing yourself as well, and you're your worst enemy sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's all my head. And you have I mean, these amazing, yeah. gorgeous children that you have. Aren't your children? Yeah, they're beautiful? awesome. Oh my god! The yeah, last the one I might kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> I almost had a bug here today. <laughs> Such adorable kids. What do you think um, was one of your... So, uh, I was thinking about this before I came here. I was thinking about, which is, I'm always very proud of. It's not, it's not, it's guys. Um, I'm amazing. Three realtors just went through that long without having our phones ring. So, so there is um, one thing that, um, very quickly, I should, uh, so, that I always, this is the moment that, like, at the pride moment, I guess, of my negotiation skill, is that when, um... I got a bonus on top of the commission from a Patel. You know, in Indian culture, yeah. especially the Patel, everybody knows I don't, it's nothing politically correct or incorrect. Even Indian people talk about it. They are very, very frugal. Like they negotiate on everything, even obviously our commission. And it was a listing. And I was negotiating so hard for him that he said basically, Anything you get me so hot, I'm going to give you the bonus on that. Anything out of this, you know, over asking or whatever, I'm going to split it with you. Wow. Split it in half. So I didn't, it wasn't that much, but I was very new in the business. It, I got him 3000 more than what he thought he would get at that, in that market. And he gave me $1,500. Wow. And that is the proudest moment for me that I got that from a Patel. And if I, it tell, I give that a story to any Indian client of mine, and they're like, no. no. 
not possible, but yes, that is possible. I never forget his name. Oh, that's amazing. Well, listen, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different direction and tell you a funny story. So where, yeah, because we have to wrap up, but I, I, I'm in, uh, I'm listing Mary J. Blige's house. We get the call from our New York office. We have Mary J. Blige. She wants to list with you. It's great. And now all of us in this room knew Nick Costantino. A lot of our listeners remember Nick Costantino. Very poised, professional, like whatever. So we go, we show up at the house. The whole staff is ready to greet us. We have the chefs, the, the personal trainers, the whole thing, the business manager, everything. We have our uh, photographer and Nick Costantino and myself. And we start walking through the house. They're giving us this big formal tour. The house, it took like 45 minutes to tour. We go through the whole thing. And we get halfway through the second level. And my photographer goes, Where, where'd Nick go? And I'm like, what do you mean, where'd Nick go? And he's like, Nick's not with us anymore. I was like, what? And ever, as we start walking through, other people are starting to notice. So I was like, we have to go, we have to, we'll go find him. <laughs> so he goes, he comes back. He's like, you, you don't, you don't want to know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to know? And this is, okay, at this point, this was four years ago. So five years, six years ago at this point. So I was still four years into the business. Not, not yeah. seasoned, but not too seasoned. He's like, you, you got you to stop the tour. Like, do something to, like, distract them and put them over here. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll ask to use the bathroom. And he's like, okay. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, do you mind if we use the bathroom? He's like, sure, no problem. I go with the photographer. We go back. Nick is sitting in Mary J. Blige's closet with her oh shoe collection. God. And he's like, I never told you this, but I love her. And I went, like, whatever. I was like, you need to get up immediately. <laughs> stand up right now and get yourself together like I did everything short of smack him across the face but it still goes down as my favorite real estate story of all time well listen I mean I I know you have to get going we got to wrap this up and this is way longer than most of my podcast so we'll we'll keep it going but one last question um and then and then we'll let's we'll let everybody leave but you know obviously COVID has thrown everything on our uh, you know upside down um and the stuff that's happening in New York I think eventually will eventually come out here um we're obviously build ourselves on resilience and everything and so you know I'm I'm not to your point I'm not worried about us necessarily as businesses but how do you pivot from this how do you like we thank God we were deemed essential businesses you know very far off so we really only spent like six to eight weeks not working um I think all of us shut our I remember being on the phone with all of you agreeing to shut down our offices on like that March 15th timeframe. Um, and now that we've been living through it and still closing business in it and, you know, trying to get our clients through these properties as safely as possible, what do you think, I guess the question's twofold. What do you think changes now from the real estate industry and what do we continue to do that we've been doing with COVID? Like for example, I've always hated open houses. I don't think they're worth the time or anything for anyone involved. Um, and the fact that there's much less of them now, I think is a good thing, but interested to get your take on things. Um, honestly, I just think the great thing about COVID, the greatest thing, it's a terrible thing, but the greatest thing about COVID was everybody was home. So when we made our calls, people picked up. Mm -hmm. So usually on every 15 call I make, one person picks up the phone. During COVID, everybody picked up the phone. Mm-hmm. Everybody picked up the phone. That was like, I was very, uh, it was happy. And it was like, a, whoa, every time they picked up, it was, like I would say more than, definitely more than 50% picked up the phone. Wow. So we got more connections. We get, and what is our job? Our job is to move them, right? And our job is to tell them the truth and tell them what it is to move them. So I'm really not, I don't get attached to, oh, poor me, poor them, poor anybody that is like, they have to go, now where are they going to go? I don't 
concentrate on that at all. My job is to move people. So the COVID helped me connect with a lot more people faster. So shame on me if I don't make my goal this year. But as a business, I think nothing really matters. Like another good part of it was a lot of agents stopped working. We were doing the work. Our agents were out working. Our agent, like how many, how many agents I have? We were all out and about and working. We didn't stop really. And we got the, I mean, the listings that we sold during COVID right now, honestly, they would not be getting those numbers right now. And that was the whole time be telling them, guys, nobody's coming to market. They're scared to come to market. You really want to go. People were going through divorces at that time, COVID time. And they really needed to sell. What am I going to say? Oh, no, wait for COVID to be over to divorce. No, get your divorce. I get you sold. And we sold it. So we, our job is to price it correctly, get them out. Just what happened during 2008. During 2008, I was the luckiest one, happiest one in the office. Meanwhile, everybody was crying and saying, oh, the market crashed. (laughs) Nobody wants to deal with that sad, oh my God, agent either. So we were like going like, you want to sell? This is the price I'm going to sell your property. Okay, sorry, you're losing all your, you know, the 20% that you had put down during that time. A lot of people put 20% down. Remember 2008? Everybody left with the 2020% money down, but they were buying something that they could never ever imagine being able to buy for much less too. So I think this COVID opens up also a lot of people to come to Hoboken that they never could afford it. Now they can afford it. So overall as a business, it's bad when nothing happens. For us, as long as market goes up, we make money. Market goes down, we make money. It's just when the market doesn't do anything, it's not good for us. So I think it's all positive. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And not for anything like, and I think you guys, you know, you guys both operate on a very honest platform too. Like I'm telling everyone to, if you're buying right now, have a plan, have a five to seven year plan. If you're planning on buying and flipping in 12 months, well, no, yeah. you shouldn't be buying right now. Like <laughs> right. 900 units for lunch right oh now. my oh, God. Have you seen this? 275, <laughs> two bedrooms. Oh, yes. I've, nev- I've never seen it ever, ever like this. Yeah. Ever. I've never seen the rental market like this. I mean, there's definitely been highs and lows over the last 17 years I've been doing this, but I've never seen anything like this yeah. with the rentals. I mean, I think Soha, everything you said is spot on. I think the first week of COVID, I'll admit I was a little nervous that first week. I was like, oh my God, now what? And to your point, I actually remember thinking, I made it through 08. I can make it through this. Yes. Yeah. And in 08, so many agents left the business. And, you know, in the in the beginning of COVID, agents left the business. But, you know, I think like 10 days into COVID, I was, you know, back out showing and in the office every day and and leaving every day and thank god i have you know an amazing nanny who stayed with us and helped us through everything and never ever left us um and my husband's in construction so he you know when the that first 10 days same thing everything kind of came to a halt with wait i don't know if i want you in my apartment doing work but Mm -hmm. then of course there were a million vacant apartments to do work in so that picked right the apartment we're sitting in right now (laughs) they left prior to covid to look for a house and they ended up just staying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so and many I sold, stories. I sold like a that. few things completely virtual. Yep. I had three like I true virtual sales of, to your point, Soha, mm-hmm. people that needed to move. They just needed to get out for whatever reason, um, for their family, for their job loss or whatever it was. And, 
you know, that's the time where I think we shine because, you know, we, we plow through it and we work hard and, you know, we can't ever let anything get to us, but you know, this is, this is a time to, to shine more than it is to step back. And I think that in our industry, there's been a ton of companies that have merged. There's been agents that have left. But I think, you know, because we are, this is our career, this is our livelihood, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit different for us. You know, we, we have to step it up. We have mm-hmm. to work. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's great. I think it's exciting. All yeah. right. Well, I know you have to go. What's advice to female entrepreneurs right now? <clears throat> or any entrepreneur? Um, be consistent. Don't quit. And get, we get used to anything in life. Anything. We get used to eat well. We get used to eat bad. We get used to exercise, not go without it. Or you can get used to be okay and not exercise, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would say get used to follow your schedule and be consistently. And that's the same thing. Everybody says the same thing. Be consistent and following a schedule is both the same thing, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't quit. It doesn't, you know, nothing is... It's nothing can beat that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me, I would say everything is temporary, you know, whether it's good or bad. So don't take it for granted when it's good. And when it's bad, know that it's not going to be bad forever. And just, you know, work hard through the bad and the good will come. And you know, follow, follow your dream, follow your heart. You know, if, if your heart is telling you to stop, not some coach, you know, you stop. If, <laughs> if your heart is telling you to keep going and this is what you want and this is what you're passionate about, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do anything, you know? I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think for me it would be, you know, yeah, trust yourself a little more. I think when I took over, I was, I mean, you both saw me. Yeah, you both and Jess. Jess was, oh my God, Jess. As they're moving the trucks up to the old location to fill up, Jess is on the phone with me as I'm hyperventilating. Um, And I think that's, like, just trust yourself. Even though, you know, I think society or whatever puts women in a place where they need someone else. And this was the, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it, I, I'm so happy that I did it now. And it's a huge thanks to both of you for being here today and for all your help coaching me through one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So you're both phenomenal women. I want to thank you so much for coming on here today and taking the time out of your busy schedule. So love you lots. We love you thank too, you, Jess. Lucy, who would- thank you so much. <laughs> thank you and surround you. yourself with good people. Amen. That's it. Amen. Yes. Takes, makes everything easier. Love it. Love it. Well, thank, thank you so, you so much. much. Have a good one. Bye. 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 I just wanted to give a personal thank you to uh, the women that were just on the podcast and the woman that can't make it uh, today. Uh, these people, Soha Fontaine, Lana, her maiden name is Walsh. I forget how to say her name. <laughs> um, Jessica Ranieri. These are women that pulled me up um, at a time that I desperately needed to be pulled up. Um, and they reminded me of the strength that I have and the the dream that I had and the fact that anything's possible. Um, it's rare to be able to work with women like that, um, who are not catty and are just out there to make sure you do something right. Um, and so I will forever be in debt to them for their help during a really tough time. Um, and I hope that this 
episode was helpful to any female business owner out there or anyone looking to get into business or any man out there looking to get into business Um, because anything really is possible if you surround yourself with the right people. So I love you all. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, Live well, love more.